Due to the graphic nature of these women's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of the assault and attempted murder of a child that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. The boogeyman has always existed, in one shape or another. He lurks in the dark, a spectral threat that scares young children, changing along with the times. In the 2010s, he was an internet meme that fascinated and frightened the online world. Today, we're going to find out what happens when a myth becomes a horrifying reality and how two 12-year-old girls came to believe that a fictional character wasn't just real, it was out for blood. Picture a murderer, a gangster, a thief. Did you picture a woman? We didn't think so. Society associates men with dangerous crimes. But what happens when the perpetrator is female? Every Wednesday, we examine the psychology, motivations, and atrocities of female criminals. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and you're listening to Female Criminals, a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find episodes of Female Criminals and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we'll meet Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, two preteen girls obsessed with an internet meme turned urban legend known as Slenderman. But their fascination soon turned murderous as they plotted to prove their devotion to him by attempting to kill their friend, 12-year-old Peyton Leitner. Next week, we'll discuss the aftermath of the gruesome attack. Then we'll follow the hours-long search for Anissa and Morgan before they were found, interrogated, and charged with attempted murder. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.
Waukesha, Wisconsin is a typical suburb, safe, quiet, and the perfect place to raise a family. For Waukesha residents Bill and Christy Wire, life was good, especially when their daughter came into the world in November 2001, a daughter they named Anissa. They were over the moon with happiness. On the other side of town, Angie and Matt Geyser had just found out they were pregnant. While they hadn't planned on having a child, they were overjoyed at the news. But in the back of both of their minds, they shared one significant worry. Matt had schizophrenia. Although he had his symptoms mostly under control, they wondered what might happen if he passed along the gene to their unborn child. But when Morgan came into the world in May 2002, their worries subsided. All they could focus on was their beautiful baby girl. Morgan grew up adored by her parents, but as she got older, she exhibited some unusual qualities. By the time she was three, she was having hallucinations. She saw ghosts, and at first she didn't understand that no one could see them but her. As time went on, however, she realized that she was the only one seeing these figures. Not only could she see them, she could feel them. Most of them seemed friendly enough and left her alone, but some would bite her or pull her hair. And though Morgan likely knew that no one else saw these specters, that didn't make them feel any less real. One night, she went to her parents to tell them what was happening, but Angie and Matt, tired and already in bed, thought Morgan was only imagining things. They told her to just go to sleep and the ghosts would go away. Neither of them realized what was really going on. After that, Morgan kept her hallucinations to herself. She grew attached to her visions. She likely believed that if she told her parents about them again, if she made them actually believe her, then they might do something to make them go away. And Morgan was terrified of losing them. In a way, these figments of her imagination were her only real friends. The visions weren't the only thing that was, well, odd about Morgan. According to an interview with Angie Geyser in the HBO documentary Beware the Slender Man, when Morgan was a child, she sat down to watch Bambi with her mom. Angie worried about how her daughter would react to the scene where Bambi's mother is shot. She expected to have to calm Morgan down and explain that it was just a movie. But Morgan didn't react the way Angie expected. Instead, as the scene unfolded on the TV, Morgan ignored the mother deer's death and shouted at Bambi to run and save himself. She wasn't upset at all about the mother being shot. It was as if she had no empathy for the character or for Bambi's loss. Before we continue with Morgan's psychology, I'm not a licensed psychiatrist or psychologist, but I have done a lot of research for the show. A lack of empathy can mean a lot of different things when seen in a child. At the very least, it can indicate poor social functioning as the child grows. Without empathy, Morgan might simply struggle to understand others' emotions or why people expected her to act in a certain way. But the absence of empathy can also be an indicator of schizophrenia. Now, it's extremely rare for a child to be given this diagnosis, but Morgan was at an especially high risk for developing this condition. Morgan's father was schizophrenic, and having a family history of the disorder is a known risk factor. 
But childhood schizophrenia, also called early-onset schizophrenia, is tricky to diagnose. After all, lots of children see and interact with imaginary friends, and a lack of empathy can point to other possible conditions. Also, some symptoms, like hallucinations, can disappear over time or are just too vague to support a diagnosis. For this reason, schizophrenia usually isn't diagnosed until a person is in their mid to late 20s. So when Angie noticed Morgan's odd reaction to Bambi, she didn't immediately assume Morgan had inherited her father's condition. She just chalked it up to Morgan being eccentric. Meanwhile, across town, Anissa Wire was growing up in her own way. Her childhood was pretty standard. Her parents painted her bedroom pink, her favorite color. She got a cat named Tiger, and the two were inseparable. She joined the school choir and dutifully rehearsed at home. But despite all of that, Anissa was a bit of a loner. She had trouble making friends, and this weighed heavily on her. By fourth grade, 10-year-old Anissa was torn between wanting to escape her classmates and be accepted by them. When the stress of it became too much, she'd often break down and cry, sometimes in the middle of class. Then, embarrassed, she would stay behind in the classroom during recess and cry even more. None of this helped her to make new friends. It was an endless, vicious cycle. Morgan wasn't much better off. But at least she had one friend, Peyton Leitner. Morgan and Peyton first met when they were in kindergarten, and by the time they were nine or ten, the girls were best friends. And in Morgan's case, Peyton was her only friend. Peyton wasn't exactly popular, but she was a social girl who liked to be liked. She and Morgan shared a love of cats, Harry Potter, and costumes. They played games where they imagined themselves in fantastical places, whether it was a scene from their favorite book or a made-up world. Morgan and Peyton were like two peas in a pod. Unfortunately, 10-year-old Anissa Wire had no such friend to lean on, and she desperately needed one, especially when her parents announced that they were getting divorced. Anissa was devastated by the news. As a kid with few, if any, real relationships outside of her house, her family was her entire world. Her parents insisted their relationship with her wouldn't change, but she knew that couldn't possibly be true. Everything would be different now. Around this time, Anissa began spending hours alone in her room with her iPad, it was the perfect way to escape because the internet gave her plenty of rabbit holes into which she could fall down and get lost. She had a particular fondness for YouTube, where she watched video after video, liking and commenting as she went. But some of these videos were unsettling. In one, she watched a cat kill and eat a mouse. But she also watched plenty of stupid videos that most kids found funny, like a toaster that shot its contents onto the floor. They were the perfect distraction from what lay ahead, a new home and a new school in the fall. In the summer of 2013, Anissa's family moved into Sunset Apartments on Big Bend Road, the same apartment complex that Morgan and her parents lived in. That fall, it was time for 11-year-old Anissa to start middle school. 
11-year-old Morgan was also entering sixth grade at Horning Middle School. At the bus stop outside of their apartment, the two girls finally crossed paths and hit it off right away. As they sat together on the bus to and from school each day, the two realized that they had a lot in common. They were both loners who struggled to fit in. They were both into supernatural and horror stories, and they both spent a ton of time online. While Morgan had been able to share some of her interests with her other friend, Peyton, it was different with Anissa. Peyton could never quite match Morgan's enthusiasm for certain things. She played along, but the excitement wasn't there. That wasn't the case with Anissa. She didn't just tolerate Morgan's interests, she shared them. It was a connection that gave the girls not only a long overdue friendship, but an incentive to dive deeper into online realms. There, they would soon discover a fictional character who would take over their lives. Up next, Anissa and Morgan become obsessed with one of the internet's most disturbing creations, The Slender Man. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. 11-year-olds Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser both grew up in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and though their upbringings weren't identical, the two girls had a lot in common. Both were loners with few friends and drawn to fantasy worlds of their own making. When they met in the fall of 2013, they immediately gravitated to one another, thrilled to finally have a strong connection with another person. One of their favorite things to do together was trade stories about the supernatural phenomena they had heard of. They were both fascinated by evil creatures, like demons and ghouls. Morgan had a special fondness for Harry Potter villains, too, such as Snape and Voldemort, who she affectionately called Voldy. Of the two, Morgan seemed to have a stronger attraction to fantasy. She idolized certain characters from TV shows and books, like Mr. Spock from Star Trek. 
And though it seems she knew Spock wasn't real, she believed that his Vulcan mind powers were. For Anissa, pretending to interact with these characters was fun, a diversion from her otherwise lonely life. She knew that they weren't real, but she wasn't so sure about some of the characters she came across online. One day in September 2013, Anissa went online to do some research. She wanted to look up this character she'd heard about. His name was Slenderman. She'd first encountered him playing the video game Minecraft. A faceless man in a black suit had popped up on the screen, and Anissa was intrigued. She started to search for the character online and was quickly led to a website called Creepypasta. There, as she read post after post about Slender Man, Anissa felt goosebumps rise on the back of her neck. Descriptions of him varied, but he had a few defining characteristics. He always wore a black suit, he was impossibly tall and thin, he had no facial features, and he gave off a definite sense of evil. It seemed that Slender Man really existed, too, because a lot of people had seen him. According to what people said, Slender Man could be anywhere from 6 to 14 feet tall. Sometimes black tendrils extended from his back and strangled his victims. Sometimes he kidnapped children, and other times he rescued them. He could also read minds and teleport from one place to another. In short, Slender Man could do and be anything, and go anywhere. As Anissa read about this mysterious monster, she was fascinated, terrified, and already wondering if he could be real. What Anissa didn't know was that Slender Man was a horror meme that had been created over time by a lot of different people. It originated with an internet user named Eric Knudsen in June of 2009, and two doctored photos he submitted to an online supernatural photo competition. The two images he turned in showed groups of children in eerie black and white settings. In the background, photoshopped in by Eric, was a tall, black-suited, faceless figure. It seemed to be lying in wait for the children, or perhaps stalking them. As if this weren't creepy enough, Eric, under the username Victor Surge, also wrote a caption implying that these were real photos of a real monster taken by his victims before they died. When people saw the submissions, they were intrigued and captivated by the figure. Almost immediately, others started posting about him too. Soon, the character went viral. The made-up boogeyman found a lot of success on the website Creepypasta, a place where internet users posted entries about all things terrifying. The site works similarly to Wikipedia, but unlike Wikipedia, all of these entries are made up. They can be anything, fake eyewitness accounts, doctored photographs, other dubious documentary evidence. The point is to make the fictional characters and stories seem as real and as frightening as possible. For a preteen girl prone to fantasy like Anissa, it wasn't completely obvious that what she found on Creepypasta was fictional, which made the site an even more intriguing place to visit. And it was just the tip of the iceberg. 
Her search likely turned up a trove of content created in the four years since Slenderman's inception. There were documentaries about Slenderman, low-budget web series, video games, even fan fiction devoted to him. In the beginning, most people posting and reading about him were aware that he was made up, or at least they could find the original post from Eric Knudsen and decide for themselves. But by the time 11-year-old Anissa discovered him, four years after it went viral, it was much harder to tell. The story had become so expansive that it appeared to be true. The story itself, of Slender Man's supposed origins, powers, and his desires, was a little murky. It seemed he mostly preyed on children, kidnapping, torturing, and killing them. But there were also stories of him rescuing kids. In these tales, he was almost like a guardian angel. The fact that no one was really sure what Slender Man did and why he did it only added to the mystery. For someone like Anissa, the mystery was fascinating. It also introduced her to a new group of friends, other people who, like her, couldn't figure out if Slender Man was real or not. Of course, this group was entirely online, but that made no difference. Anissa needed to belong. Buying into the Slender Man myth meant that she could. According to neurodevelopmental psychologist Abigail Baird, who's interviewed in the documentary Beware the Slender Man, children feel a biological need for camaraderie. And if they can't get that in their everyday lives, then they often turn to the internet, which can serve as an alternative peer group. But entrusting their emotional and social development to online spheres can skew their perception of reality. It can turn dangerous. For Anissa, interacting with anonymous internet users about Slenderman convinced her that he was not only worth obsessing about, but that he was actually real. This wasn't necessarily a bad thing at first. When 11-year-old Anissa first searched for Slenderman, it was motivated by innocent fear. What if he was real and he could hurt her? But as she read more and more, her feelings started to change. She wasn't afraid of Slenderman being real. She wanted him to be real. Then maybe he would come and rescue her. A month later, in October 2013, she shared her new obsession with Morgan. Morgan believed in Slenderman immediately. She even told Anissa that she thought she had seen Slenderman before. That likely wasn't true. There's no evidence that Morgan had any previous interest in or even knowledge of Slenderman before Anissa told her about him. But that didn't matter. If anyone would be susceptible to believing that Slenderman was real, it would be Morgan. After all, Morgan had visions all the time of things only she could see. She was used to believing in creatures that nobody else did. And because her parents never told her about her dad's schizophrenia, she had no idea that her hallucinations could be a symptom of the same condition. Morgan's parents knew she was reading up on Slenderman, but they also didn't put too much stock in it. Morgan's mom didn't see the harm in reading scary stories online. It was just kids doing what kids do. It was the same thing at the Wire household. 
Anissa showed her dad a picture of Slenderman standing next to Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas, and he thought nothing of it. It seemed completely harmless. Neither parent had any idea that their daughter believed this character was real. But the girls did believe that. Slenderman was becoming so real to them that they had to bring someone else into the intrigue. When Morgan tried to tell her other friend, Peyton, about Slenderman, Peyton shrugged it off. She knew Slenderman was made up, or at least she was pretty sure, but there was a teeny tiny part of her that wondered if he might be real. Morgan seemed convinced. She kept telling Peyton that she knew he was real, as if she had proof. And soon, Morgan started sending her link after link from Creepypasta. Peyton hated it. Each one freaked her out more than the next. And when Morgan warned her that Slenderman would come for her in her sleep if she didn't believe in him, she got really scared. Peyton finally told her mom about what Morgan was saying. But even Stacy Leitner assumed Morgan was just swept up in a childhood fantasy. The girls were only 12, after all. She told Peyton to just tell Morgan that it was too scary for her and to stop sending her the links. But Morgan wasn't caught up in a childhood fantasy, and she didn't stop trying to scare Peyton. She was suffering from a delusion, a false but absolute belief in something. It's different from a hallucination, which is an experience, something you see, hear, or feel. Delusions are another symptom of schizophrenia and are a common marker for the disorder among adults. In and of themselves, they're not necessarily harmful, but to someone with undiagnosed schizophrenia, they can quickly spiral out of control. Eventually, Morgan's delusion about Slenderman created a hallucination of him. Around December 2013, 11-year-old Morgan told 12-year-old Anissa that Slenderman had visited her. And though this was obviously a hallucination, Morgan truly believed it had happened. Not only did Morgan think she'd seen Slenderman, she believed they'd communicated with each other telepathically. Morgan claimed to have telepathic abilities, like her favorite character, Spock, and that she'd been able to use them to communicate with Slenderman. According to Anissa, from Morgan's conversation with Slenderman, she'd learned that he was watching the two girls. He wanted them to prove their worthiness to him, and he said that if they didn't, he would hurt their families. According to Morgan, it was Anissa who had the vision and came up with the plan. At this point, it's important to note that both Morgan and Anissa have offered differing versions of how events unfolded, so it's difficult to discern an absolute truth. Just as the young girls grappled with what was real and what wasn't, it's sometimes hard to untangle the facts from the fiction. Unfortunately, Morgan and Anissa likely weren't thinking critically. All they could see was the danger creeping closer. As the girls considered the situation, their hearts raced. Anissa imagined Slenderman's tentacles reaching out and strangling her parents. She couldn't let that happen. This was the moment when either Anissa or Morgan came up with an idea to keep their families safe. 
the girls had read online about other people becoming Slenderman's proxies or minions. These people served him and lived in his mansion, which was supposedly in Nicolay National Park, about a five hours drive north of Waukesha. With that in mind, the girls decided that their best option was to become his newest proxies. There was just one catch. To become a proxy meant making a blood sacrifice. They would have to kill someone. At first, Anissa was terrified of the idea, but there was another part of her that wanted to prove Slenderman's existence to non-believers. That thought excited her, and eventually, that was the side of her that won out. Anissa agreed to the plan, but she didn't fully understand what she was signing on to. She was only 12, and though she understood the concept of death, she couldn't yet comprehend what it truly meant to kill someone. Morgan couldn't understand this either, but in her mind, they had no choice. She fully believed in Slenderman's existence and his power. She didn't see his visit as a hallucination. To her, it was a very real and visceral experience. And if they didn't carry out a blood sacrifice, she was convinced her family would be in danger. But there was still one thing they needed to decide. Who were they going to kill? It's unclear whether they decided right then and there, or if the answer came to them in the following weeks, but one way or another, they chose their victim, 12-year-old Peyton Leitner. It didn't matter that she was Morgan's best friend. It was what Slenderman demanded, and the girls were determined to give him what he wanted. Up next, Morgan and Anissa plan their bloody tribute to Slenderman. Now back to the story. After discovering Slenderman online, 12-year-old Anissa Wire shared her findings with 11-year-old Morgan Geyser. Together, they didn't just obsess over the fictional character, they believed he was real. And when Morgan claimed that he had visited her and demanded a blood sacrifice, the two girls decided they would kill someone to please him. Their friend, 12-year-old Peyton Leitner. It's unclear exactly why or how they landed on Peyton, but they might have just seen her as an easy target. Whatever the case may be, 12-year-old Anissa and 11-year-old Morgan settled on Peyton in December of 2013, and they spent the next five months plotting the murder. Five months was a long time, especially given that the two girls believed Slenderman would hurt them or their families if they didn't go through with it soon. But neither girl was looking forward to committing the crime. Morgan and Anissa both tried to put it off for as long as possible. They believed it was something they had to do, but neither of them wanted to be the one to do it. And though they dawdled in their imagined duty, as the weeks turned into months, their devotion to Slenderman only grew deeper. Anissa spent hours on end in her room, scrolling through online forums and reading up on him. She worried about his ability to disembowel his victims or strangle them with his tentacles. 
she found an article that depicted slender sickness, which was Slenderman's ability to enter someone's mind and make them cough up blood. Meanwhile, Morgan drew pictures of Slenderman. She captioned them with slogans like, Never alone, and He still sees you. Whenever she wrote an O, she drew an X through it. It was a design she learned about online called the operator symbol, and it was supposed to either fend off Slenderman or draw him near. By now, Morgan and Anissa were exhibiting symptoms of a shared delusion, or what's popularly known as a folie à deux. This is a rare mental disorder where two people with close emotional ties engage in the same delusion. Generally, it originates with one person who has a delusion due to another psychotic disorder, in this case, Morgan's schizophrenia. Sometimes that person can wield so much influence over someone close to them that the other person starts to believe in their delusion as well. If the pair is socially isolated, they're especially susceptible to the delusion. For Anissa, her social isolation made her the ideal candidate for a shared delusion. Morgan wielded enormous influence over Anissa because Anissa had no one else. And even though Anissa was the one to introduce Morgan to the idea of Slender Man in the first place, Morgan was now in full control. She was the driving force behind the belief that this character was real, and it seemed that she would be the one who would decide when to kill their victim. On Morgan's 12th birthday, in May of 2014, Morgan told Anissa it was time. They couldn't wait any longer. The two girls hatched a plan. Morgan would have a birthday sleepover at her house. She would invite Anissa and Peyton to go roller skating and to spend the night. Then, while Peyton slept, Morgan and Anissa would duct tape her mouth so she couldn't scream and slit her throat. They'd cover her with blankets and make it look like she was sleeping before leaving for Slenderman's mansion in Nicolay National Park. It seemed like the perfect plan, so long as they could go through with it. Finally, the day of the sleepover came. On May 30th, Morgan, Anissa, and Peyton went to Skateland, the local roller skating rink, to kick off the birthday celebrations. The disco lights flashed and Top 40 hits blasted from the speakers. The three young girls skated around the rink, dancing to the music. They laughed and held hands and showed off as they went around and around. Neither Morgan nor Anissa made any mention of their plan for later that night. There seemed to be an unsaid agreement between the two of them. Let Peyton enjoy her last night alive. For Peyton's part, she had been looking forward to the party all week. She loved skating, and even more than that, she loved Morgan. She was her best friend and was so excited to celebrate her birthday. The girls took a break from the rink to get sodas and rest their feet at one of the picnic tables. Morgan's dad, who had brought them there, snapped a photo of the three of them together. They posed and smiled, Peyton smiling the biggest, completely unaware that her friends were planning to kill her. Eventually, around 9.30 p.m., Morgan decided she wanted to go home. The girls piled into the back of Morgan's dad's car, and he drove them back to the apartment. 
Back at Morgan's, things still seemed normal. The girls ran up and down the stairs all night, giggling with each other. Every once in a while, Morgan's mom checked on them, but nothing seemed amiss. They were just three friends having a good time. Later on, as they settled in for bed, Morgan and Anissa's hearts raced. They couldn't believe what they were about to do. Morgan put on headphones connected to her iPad and set an alarm for 2 a.m. She planned to wake up and then quietly rouse Anissa. But when Morgan's alarm went off in the middle of the night, she couldn't bring herself to go through with the plan. She stared at Peyton, her best friend, and she decided she would give her one more day. The next morning, the three girls had donuts and strawberries for breakfast. They even played dress-up. As Peyton went into the bathroom to change into a princess costume, she was still totally unaware of anything strange going on with the other two girls. But in the other room, Morgan and Anissa whispered about what they were going to do now. They needed a new plan, but it would have to be outside of the house. Morgan decided they could go to the park and do it there. Normally, Morgan wouldn't be allowed to go to the park without adult supervision, but her mom felt lenient that morning. It was her birthday, after all, and she would be with her two friends. So Angie Geyser told Morgan to have fun. On her way out, Morgan slipped into the kitchen and grabbed a knife from the drawer. It was a long, thin knife with a five-inch blade, the type you'd use to carve a steak. She slipped it into the waistband of her pants and then rushed to catch up with her friends outside. The three girls made their way to the park down the street. Peyton led the way, and as she skipped ahead, Morgan quickly showed Anissa the knife. Anissa stared at it, as if she hadn't really believed it was happening until just then. There was no turning back now. Once they got to the park, Morgan and Anissa lured Peyton into the public bathroom. Their new plan was to lock her in a toilet stall, kill her there, and then run. They thought it was the perfect setting because there'd be a drain on the floor to collect the blood. Inside the restroom, Morgan paced nervously. She wasn't sure if she could really do this, but by now, Anissa was desperate to see the plan through. After all, she wasn't really Peyton's friend. She only ever hung out with her because of Morgan. She thought if she could knock Peyton out, it would be easier to kill her. So she approached Peyton and tried to push her head into the wall. But Anissa wasn't particularly athletic, and her attempt was half-hearted at best. Peyton was confused by what was happening. She assumed the other girls were playing some weird game. Even as Morgan muttered and Anissa made frantic attempts to calm Morgan down. After trading some tense whispers back and forth, the two girls decided to leave the bathroom and the park altogether. The girls headed for the nearby woods, telling Peyton they were going to play hide-and-seek. At that stage, Peyton finally sensed that something was wrong and tried to say no, but the other girls insisted. In retrospect, it seems strange that Peyton would follow Morgan and Anissa into the woods, especially if she felt herself to be in danger, but she could never have imagined what was going to happen next. These were her friends, after all, two fellow 12-year-old girls. 
Peyton may have heard of stranger danger before, but it's unlikely she was ever warned to be suspicious of her classmates. For this reason, Peyton allowed Anissa to pull her deeper and deeper into the woods to hide, while Morgan hung back and counted until it was time to seek. One final charade to keep Peyton's defenses down. Anissa was excited. Together, they would do what Slenderman demanded, and he would reward them for it. When she finished counting, Morgan set off to find her friends. It didn't take her long to catch up to them in the brush, and now she held the knife in her hand. The charade of hide-and-seek was over. Peyton stared at the knife, unable to comprehend what was going on. Morgan froze too, hesitating once more. But then Anissa pulled her out of it. She told Morgan, go ballistic, go crazy. Spurred on by Anissa's orders, Morgan wrestled Peyton to the ground and pinned her down. She held the knife up in the air, ready to attack, but looked at Anissa one final time. She was no longer the one leading the charge. Anissa now held all the power. If she had backed down, Morgan might have as well. Unfortunately, Anissa had no intention of turning back. Instead, she took a few steps away, then said, Morgan, now. Morgan leaned down next to Peyton's face, close enough that Anissa couldn't hear, and whispered to her best friend, I'm so sorry. And then she stabbed her. Thanks again for tuning in to Female Criminals. We'll be back next week with part two, where we'll detail the brutal attack on Peyton Leitner, her miraculous escape, and a trial that captivated the nation. For more information on Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, amongst the many sources we used, we found Beware the Slender Man, an HBO documentary, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Female Criminals and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Female Criminals is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Female Criminals was written by Alex Burns, with writing assistance by Joel Callen. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.